Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. busy weekends in this month with wedding and men's conference the weekend following that district women's conference the weekend following that opportunities good it's a good busy it's a good busy amen church and, and uh, conferences people to be renewed and uh, have some fresh wind blown in their sails so to speak and uh, so it's going to be a good good month in the month of September first Kings chapter 11 and verse number one, starting today. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Now, that's not strange in the meaning that they were weird. It's strange in the meaning that they were like foreign, not of his people or his kind. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Moabites rather, Ammonites, Edomites, Zionites and Hittites, all the ites, all the ite women he loved. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love, and he had seven hundred wives. That was 700, I said. 700 wives. Princesses. 300 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. I just want to make just a real quick little point here. He had 700 wives. And later in the book of Ecclesiastes, when he writes to us in Ecclesiastes, and he has tried many things, wisdom and things of this nature, he admonishes us to live joyfully with the wife of your youth. Now, when a man tells you to live with the wife, singular, of your youth, after he's had 700, you need to pay attention. You... All right. Verse number four. Four... <laughs> getting off here on the foot here aren't we for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father for Solomon went after Ashtoreth the goddess of the Zidonians and after Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh the abominations of Moab and in the hill that is before Jerusalem. And for Morlech the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Amen. For a little while this morning, I want to talk to you about crazy love. I want to talk to you about some crazy love. All right? Amen. I'm glad you two are here this morning. No, I'm just joking. I want to talk about some crazy love today. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you today. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Lord, open up our minds of our understanding. I pray, oh God, of your word. Lord, as we delve, Lord, into the scriptures today, I pray, Lord, that you would bring meaning and understanding, Lord, to us. Verify your word. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, today, God, that you're able to bring instruction to us, Lord, and that we'd be readily, Lord, God, ready to receive it, Lord, for our own lives and life that we live, God, for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name crazy love look at your neighbor and say crazy love crazy love you know people will do some extreme things for love or or not necessarily just for the purpose of receiving love but just because of love itself because they they are in love 
I have read through the process of time that people have uprooted their lives, never been or set even a foot outside of their home country, or for that matter, sometimes their home state, have moved across the Atlantic Ocean to another continent, all for or because of love. I was reading just last night, as a matter of fact, talking about some of the crazy things that people will do because of love, that there was a young man uh, that, that found out through a friend of his that there was a girl that he had some affection and some longings for. He found out that she was not quite attracted to him very much because he had braces. And so this young man uh, took it upon himself to become his own orthodontist. And using fingernail clippers, he removed the braces off of his own teeth and the brackets just because of love. <laughs> because of love. If you had asked my wife this morning, she's not in here, so we can talk about her. But... Uh, if you were to ask my wife this morning, she'd tell you that she traded the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee for the flatlands of Indiana and Illinois, and it was just because of love. It was just because of love. Uh, David said that in the book of Chronicles, he said that he set his affection or his love, his longing toward the house of God and that he gave gold and silver of his own treasury, of his own bank account, if you will, over and above what he had even prepared for the house of God. And it was all because that's where he'd set his love. That's where he'd set his affection. Paul tells us with purpose in the New Testament scripture, he tells those at Colossae, the church at Colossae, he said, set your affections on things that are above because Paul understood that you would almost do anything for something that you love. Amen. Uh, some guys have wore colors they had never wore wear before if it wasn't for that lady that they loved. There's some ladies that would endure some games they would never watch had it not been for love. Right? Uh, there's been times, I remember one uh, weekend, it was an a, uh, anniversary weekend for my wife and I, and she thought the best anniversary gift that we could do was to paint our bedroom, redo our bathroom, and so we spent our anniversary weekend doing all of that, and I did it all just because. A love. There was no candlelights as we painted. I think we stopped for a moment and went out to eat and came right back and got in the painting again. But you do things for love. When we read the story of Solomon in 2 Kings chapter number 11, uh, the fall of Solomon, uh, the digression of Solomon in his life can really be summed up in just pulling a few phrases from the text that I read to you this morning. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says Solomon loved many strange women. You look at verse number 2, it says, Surely they, speaking of the strange women, will turn away your heart after their gods. We go to verse 4 and it says, His wives turned away his heart. Then verses 5 and 7, it speaks to us that Solomon went after their gods and that he built places for the worship of them. And we're wondering how can this great, uh, notable depicted as the most wise man that, that had ever been upon the face of the earth was the wisdom of God that had been imparted to him. How can he go to uh, the poster child of wisdom, if you will, to the poster child of failure having been taken, amen, by these many strange women? And I believe the principle is clear, and it's a principle that stays throughout even Scripture and yet today, and that is this. The things we love will become the directors of our heart and lives. The things we love will become the directors of our hearts and lives. What that means is this. Solomon, Brother Fred, didn't necessarily need to love idols or foreign gods. He just needed to love those who loved him. Uh-huh. Didn't need to necessarily love the idol, but if he loved those that loved them, they could do anything for turning his heart toward idols and false gods. And so because if he loved these strange women or these foreign women, soon enough because they loved foreign gods and they loved pagan gods, then Solomon could be easily found making allowances in his own life and accommodations in his own life because of whatever their preferences may have been. Hmm? Someone says, uh-uh, oh yes, you'll go to stores and eat at places 
you wouldn't normally eat at for the people that you love. You might not love it, but they do. So you accommodate them. Someone just say amen. You accommodate them and their, per, their preferences because you love them, though you might not love what they love. It's called giving in. Caving in. Solomon may not have loved in the beginning their gods, but he loved those women. And he was going to accommodate their preferences. Can I tell you this morning in the realm of the church that Satan many times, and I'm not, I'm not, listen, in this statement, I'm not equating every woman with Satan, okay? Mark that out of your mind. But what I'm saying is this, Satan sometimes won't come right out and get you to serve other gods. He'll just enamor you or he'll just enamor you with things that serve and worship other gods. Huh? He'll, he'll get you attached to things that have a propensity toward the things of the world. He, he won't just come out and say, no, just serve this God. No, he will, he will snafu you, if you will, to get enamored with the things that serve and worship his purpose and his plan. Because he knows the principle. If you love those things, then you'll most likely overlook where they may lead and where they take you. Someone say, man, I'm talking about some crazy love today. And if we say, I've heard it said before, if we say in our own lives and spirits that, you know what, that, that won't happen to me. I'm Paul McGee. That won't happen to me. That thing is innocent. Anybody had an innocent love? That thing is innocent. I mean, consider Solomon. The Bible says there was no king like Solomon. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that this was the beloved of God. That's how it states him. And yet the Bible says also that he fell prey, amen, perhaps to some of the same reasoning. I'm the wise King Solomon. This is never going to happen to me. This is an innocent love. This is an innocent relationship, an innocent encounter. And yet he fell prey to the very things, perhaps what he thought would never, never, amen, pull him down a road that he knew he should not go and that God said he should not go. Solomon then became the poster child, if you will, for it won't happen to us type of people. Amen. None of us, and I, I, I underscore, none of us are impervious to the drawing of the cords of love. Whether good or bad, the drawing of the cords of love. Love sometimes will have you acting like you never acted. Hmm? You ever seen somebody say, man, I don't understand. What in the world's wrong with them? Well, they're in love i never seen them act like that. They're just gone plain bonkers crazy. They, they pushed aside their family. I don't understand what I'm saying. What are they doing? They're doing all this because of quote-unquote love. The Bible says in 1 Kings 3 and verse number 3, it tells us that Solomon, this is before the taking and the, the, the accumulating, if you will, of all the strange wives, it tells us that Solomon loved the Lord. And so Solomon has a very, very good start. He loved the Lord. It's stressed that he loved the Lord. Amen. But now, later in his life, he loves many strange or foreign women. So he started out good, a love for the Lord. But whenever he turned his affection, turned the object of his love, amen, it pulled him away from where he once was. It is important this morning. The scriptures that we have in our Bible are not just suggestions. They have, they have meaning and reason behind them. This is perhaps one of the reasons why in 1 John 2, 15, the writer says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? Now, listen to me. All of the things that are in the world are not necessarily or inherently wrong. Right? They're not all necessarily inherently wrong. But the moment that you love them, the principle comes out that you'll sacrifice things to please what you love. There might be something in the world that's not inherently wrong, but if you form a relationship of loving that, everything else is pushed aside. And whatever it takes to satisfy that, you'll do because of your love. And so the writer says, don't, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world, because he understands the principles. The Bible says in 1 Kings 11 and verse number, verse number 10, the Bible says, and had commanded him, this is speaking, the Lord had commanded Solomon concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not the, that which the Lord commanded. The Lord is upset, of course. 
He's upset with Solomon here because he had commanded them, don't, don't go after other gods. He advised us for that matter, not just Solomon, but all of the kings of Israel. There was rules and regulations uh, that they were to abide by. And the Lord had advised all the kings of Israel against multiple marriages. He had warned against that because why? Again, he knew what it led to. Says they're not, not going to have multiple marriages because it's going to lead to some bad things. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 17, 17, he said, This is the law of the kings of Israel. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. Now, some of this may have seen this, but if not, I'm going to share it anyway. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is dealing with some very similar three things that the Lord is dealing with concerning Solomon. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah calls to remembrance what happened with Solomon, amen, for his day of those that were returning back to the city of Jerusalem after being gone with it for 70 some odd years. They have rebuilt the walls. They've rebuilt the gates. The temple's reestablished. The altar's reestablished. Worship is reestablished. Nehemiah had been overlooking all of the building of the wall and the gates and now he had returned back home to the king to be the cupbearer again and to serve in that capacity but while he's gone he now returns to Jerusalem just to see how things are going and they, they've done really well except now they are marrying amen amongst themselves amen not Jew to Jew but Jew to other people and so there's some things that come about as a result of that because they weren't supposed to do that because the hearts of the people could be turned away from God and this is what the Bible says Nehemiah 13 and verse 26 amen before you today and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? He's calling the mind back to Solomon now. Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him. Everybody say even him. Pagan women caused even him to sin again. Again, these things that he is speaking about here is the practice of the Jews marrying somebody else other than a Jew. He says this was the exact downfall of King Solomon because he married many strange or foreign wives. He says what you guys are doing right here in Jerusalem is exactly what was his failure. He said Solomon's failure came about because of the foreign women that he invited in his life. And again, and I'll state this, and this is something that could be a Wednesday night Bible study, but the purpose wasn't a race issue. The purpose wasn't a race issue. It was a God issue. Because culturally, and you've heard me teach this before, but whenever one would go to marriage in that culture, they would accept the gods of their spouse. All right? For even among pagan people, if they were loyal to the gods of, of fire and wind and this, this other, uh, the, the woman over here was, was honorable to the gods of fertility. Whenever they came, the man accepted the gods of fertility and she accepted the gods uh, of wind and fire. Amen. And so they accepted each other's gods. But the Jews, understand, supported one God. You can't accept your spouse's God unless it's the same God they already have. And so when the Jews came together, they weren't even considering another God. That's the reason why they kept it within the Jewish race, because they knew they had one God. And so when they go to marriage, they're not accepting another God. They're accepting the God that they're already loyal to. Amen. And so whenever they started marrying these different races and different peoples that had different gods from Israel's gods, then there became to come the mix and the muddle of accepting, quote unquote, other gods within their lives. And the Lord, of course, never wanted that. The Bible says he's a jealous God. He doesn't share his glory with another. No, no, no. He, 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 he is God alone. He did all of this by himself. Amen. And so to marry a pagan woman meant this. It meant to accept that pagan woman's gods. And that was a permissible to the Lord. Not in Solomon's day, not in Nehemiah's day. And yet the writer says Solomon's a respectable king. Says there's none like him. He's done some great things. There's the temple of Solomon. There's the hanging gardens you can read about. Amen. Throughout the different books that are written by him. And yet the Bible says these foreign alliances through their marriage even caused him to sin. Even caused. That's the power of love. That it would take that man, that king, that notable, respectable man and cause even him to sin. And I said it. 
If you all read me, you've had a little glimpse of this from Facebook if you read it. If you don't, that's fine. But the status with men and God, it does not matter very much whenever you start compromising the integrity of the relationships that you have. And I'm not just talking about marital relationships. I'm talking about relationships in your life because these type of things can cause, I don't care who they are, pastor, high potentate, whoever they are, it can cause the most, amen, celebrated person to sin. And so God plainly told them, he told all the people that relationships with the inhabitants of the land where they they were going to go to live would prove to be snares to them if they entered in relationships. He says, if you will love, it's kind of like this, if you'll love the world, if you'll love where you're going and the people where you're going, if you'll form relationships with them and try to start families with them, he said, they are going to be a snare to you. Look what the word of the Lord says all the way back then, whenever they were going to enter Canaan. Exodus 34 and verse 12, the Bible states these words. He says, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. He says, but ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves, for thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, you know what he says? He says, unless thou. You understand what he's saying? He's saying, if you don't do away with these things, you are going to be prone, perhaps. If you don't remove the option. That's what he's saying. If you don't remove the option, you may have a tendency. We got to get in our Christian experience that there is no other option but God. There's not a plan B. It's not as though if God begins to offend me by his word or by his voice that I got another side job over here or side relationship. No, no, no. He says, you get rid of all of that lest thou make a covenant. He says, we don't want you to even have another venue or avenue. You need to be sold out. It's God and it's God alone. We don't need to just date God or be a fiance with God. We need to marry him. We need to put a ring on his finger. He needs to be ours and he needs to be be mine. I'm his and he is mine. We got to do away with all these other quote unquote options. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Because if you do that, they are going to go after what they go after, their gods. They're going to go whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods. And now that you've entered this relationship, one called thee and thou eat of his sacrifice, which is to another God. And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons. You're making relationship now. Sons and daughters of these are marrying. And their daughters go a-whoring after their gods. And make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. How in the world does that happen? Because you love something that loves that. And when you love something that loves that, you'll make allowances for your own place in life for them. Huh? You make allowances in your life for them. And if you do that long enough, there's some restaurants I might not like, my wife likes, but you know if I do it long enough, I can find something on the menu I'll eat. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. So he said, if, if, you, if you marry, if you, if you start relationships with the inhabitants of the land, your love for them, that's what it's really coming to, your love for them, that really, it's going to become a snare. It's going to become a snare to you. So again, listen to me. Just like the love, not the world, and the things that are in the world, some things may not be inherently wrong, but they may lead to other things that are unquestionably wrong. Hmm. See, this, this, this corresponds with the other advice that God had set for the kings of Israel in the book of, book of Deuteronomy. He gave some, gave some instruction what they should or should not do or what they need to watch or not watch. And so this really sets in correspondence to some of the other things. Because when we read here, Deuteronomy 17, 16, here's another one of these things. So you're not to multiply wives, but you also should not multiply horses. We're thinking, what's the correlation here? You know. <laughs> Amen. Not to multiply wives, but ye shall not multiply horses to himself. This is if you're the king of Israel, not to multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. 
to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Amen. So God's saying one of the, one of the, the bullet points for the kings is this, don't multiply, don't multiply marriages, wives, and don't, he didn't want a king to have horses or rather multiply horses. Why? Because in order to increase the number of horses that a king had, he would have to strike a deal with Pharaoh of Egypt. Are you listening to me? Egypt in this time was the source for the horses of this time. So if you're going to increase horses, you're going to have to make a trip to Egypt. If you... If you're going to have horses, you're going to have to make a trip to Egypt and you're going to have to strike a deal with the Pharaoh of Egypt in order to multiply horses. So if the king says, man, I, want, I, I would like to have about 12 more stalls filled, you know, with horses. Well, then, sir, that means you're going to have to somehow go down to Egypt and get more horses. And the thing is this, there's nothing wrong with horses. They ain't like a nice Arabian horse or a thoroughbred or oh, whatever, you know, a, 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 a Tennessee Walker, you know. Well, man, want to have a horse. That would be great. There's nothing wrong with horses. But the fact is this, and this is what God knew. If you got to go back to where God brought you out of to get them, he says, King, if you got to go back to Egypt where I brought you out of to get them, he said, then they're not worth having. It's not worth the chance. It's not worth the rest. He says, because if you go back there for the intention of horses, there might be something else that gets your eye. There might be something else that draws you. There might be something else that entices you. And you by no means can chance that. So don't multiply horses and you won't have to make no more trips back to where you came from. Crazy. Amen. He said, I, I, I don't, he said there, for the king, he said, I don't ever want you to return that way. Because he knew that if someone that got a love for something like that, nothing wrong with horses, but it's just the connections from there where compromises could, could be made. Amen. Someone say Amen. So the scripture goes on to say in our text, 1 Kings 11, that not only surely would they turn his heart after their gods, but they did turn his heart after their gods to the place that the Bible says that Solomon went after them. Even in particularly, it says that Solomon built places of worship for these gods. Not even so much because he worshipped them, but because his strange wives worshipped them. If you go back and you read in there, you'll read about how he went after Ashtoreth and what goddess it was, the goddess of the Zidodians, because he married a woman from there. And so since she worships that God, i got to build a place of worship so she can keep worshipping her God. Huh? Right? He, we have uh, Chemosh, uh, of the abomination of Moab. He, he married a woman from Moab, so he's got to build this place of worship for her to worship her God. Even if he's not walking in there. Even if he's not walking in there. He's building a place of worship for her to do her thing. Why? Because I love her. Someone say amen. <laughs> but evidently, time would go long enough that Solomon would begin to worship what his wives worshipped. Some believe that maybe it's uncertain whether Solomon ever did take part in the actual act of idolatry, of worshiping these other gods. But I will tell you this without doubt, that he has some skin in the game if he was building places of worship for them. What do you say? <clears throat> you don't have to be the murderer and you don't have to be the thief. But that doesn't mean that you are not in any way connected to a murderer or a thief. You can be an accomplice. Legal definition of an accomplice is this. One who intentionally and voluntarily participates with another in a crime by encouraging or assisting in the commission of the crime or by failing to prevent it through an under duty to do so. You might not be the murderer or the thief, 
but you may be the accomplice. Let me say it like this. Solomon, here we go, he intentionally built the place for both Chemosh and Molech for some of his wives. Intentionally. And by doing this, he was encouraging his wives to worship those idol gods. By doing this, he was assisting his wives in worshiping those idol gods. He did not say, no, I'm not building that here. He said, no, I'm not taking, he didn't say, no, I'm not taking part in any of that. He didn't say, no, we can't do that because that would be against the Lord my God. That would be against the law of the kings and the statutes of Israel. He didn't say any of that. But he intentionally, willfully, voluntarily encouraged, assisted in them worshiping a God that wasn't the Lord true God. He didn't do anything to prevent it. Someone hear me right now. So you might say, someone might say, well, I'm not certain if he took place in their act of adultery or not. Well, let me tell you, he was as close as he could do in doing it without being it. Woo! Someone say amen. And for that matter, whenever I begin to look at the scripture, you can read, and it's, it's in 2 John 1, verses 10 through 11. You can just kind of throw them up there. But the Bible says this, that whenever we bid God speed to one that is undoctrinally sound, this is the context in which it is speaking about, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, speaking the doctrine of truth, he said, receive him not into your house and neither bid him God speed. The next verse then goes on and says this. It says, for he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. And so the scripture says, if you bid one that is not doctrinally sound, amen, Godspeed, like encouraging, huh? assisting. Whenever you do that, he says you are a partaker of his or her evil deeds. You understand what I'm saying? St. Solomon, you might even never walk into that house of worship that you built for her. But because you had your hand in erecting it, you're bidding what she's doing Godspeed. He said, and by doing that, then you are partaker of her very own deeds of what she does in that house. Huh? His love made him a partner in crime. That one flesh alliance joined him to things that really was turning his back upon the Lord. Amen. And think of it for a moment, folks. How crazy love can be whenever you change or alter the affection of your love. Solomon had spent seven years of his life managing the construction of the temple of God. Right? Solomon's temple. Seven years of his life managing that. A place to worship God. And here he is on the left hand and on the right hand building places of worship for false deities. It's crazy. It's crazy. Seven years on God's house. Now he's spitting up here and there, Chemish Malek, this, this for this, for that God and this God, that wife and this God. He's building now houses unto them. When we read of 1 Kings 5 through 7, we read of his, his devotion to building the temple of the Lord. Amen. Of the time that he invested there. We read then when we get to 1 Kings chapter number 10, which was before our text tonight, we, or this morning, we read how the queen of Sheba from another land came to inspect and visit everything that Solomon had had. She heard about his wisdom and his splendor. And the Bible says that she was in awe of all that he had and the blessings of God that was upon Solomon's life and all of the glory that was due unto his kingdom. And so he's been busy. Chapters 5 through 7, building in the temple of God. He also built his own house. He's also built the, the houses of Lebanon, the Bible says. Amen. The queen comes. She looks at all God's blessing him and then boom, chapter 11. Failure. His wives have turned aside or around his heart and he sinned and we stand back and we're thinking, what in the world has happened? Huh? What's happened? And you can see it because the object of affection has changed. You know, whenever we were young people growing up and someone had a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, and they, they lived, died, and breathed, you know, that other person. But if there was a breakup, mm-hmm, forget that. Huh? Right? They're no longer spending time with them. Some people, you know, they're tearing up pictures, letters, and they're burning whatever and throwing darts. Huh? You see what I'm saying? It's like 
no longer giving attention to the temple, giving it what's happened. I tell you what happened. There's been a change of love, a change of affection. Verse 4, look at it now in our scripture reading, 1 Kings eleven four. It says, for it came to pass when Solomon was old. Now, he's around about 60 years old, whenever this is written. That when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. So we're saying, man, Solomon, you know. Why, why is this just now happening? Why, why didn't this happen a little bit earlier? Or, or, or maybe we ask, was this happening all along? And it's just now really totally apparent to, you know, the onlookers, perhaps. The Bible says in 1 Kings 3 and 1, look at the scripture. And Solomon, this is earlier in his life, and Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem around, round about. So the first that we have record of the scripture, the first of Solomon's women <laughs> denoted in scripture is Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible tells us here in 1 Kings 3 and 1 that he clave unto her. While he was finishing up his own house, he was in the process of building his own house. He claimed to her. He was in the process, even still yet, uh, 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 building the house of the Lord, the wall of Jerusalem. He claimed to her. All right. He even built the force uh, of, of the house of, of Lebanon. He claimed to her. But there doesn't seem to be anything apparently wrong right here in the moment. There is no building of high places. There's no building of, of, a, of a temple to a false god in this moment. No shrine to a false god is here, is here in this moment when he took Pharaoh's daughter, amen, to himself. But the Bible tells us then in our text, when he's old, his heart has turned. And it's evident, according to the practices and his actions, that his heart has turned. And so I'm asking myself, you know, I'm asking myself, what is it about, about being old that's so significant in this, this shift? I'm not talking to our elders necessarily, but what is it about being old? I mean, is it that, that since that moment in time of his first love till now, that his love, even for Pharaoh's daughter and those others along the way, have, have intensified over the years? You know, you know, some of you have, you have puppy love, and you, then you get full adult dog love, you know. <laughs> you know, has something happened? Has he got to a place that it's like now there's nothing too good for them, maybe? You know, there's nothing out of bounds? Or could it be that, that with age, Solomon, that, that now you have more time on your hands than what you used to have? Someone say amen. Solomon's name means peace. Peace. It's quite different than, than his father, David, who lived during a time of war and who was constantly involved in war and battle and bloodshed. Solomon's name is peace. For that matter, the nation of Israel during his reign was a nation that, that had peace. And they seemed to benefit from that to a certain degree because God's house was able to be built because they weren't warring. It was a time of peace. But peace, listen to me, peace is good as long as during your moments of peace you don't compromise your purity. James said, all the way back in our series on James, James said that the wisdom that is from above is first, is first pure. That's what James said. Then peaceable. It's when we get those two things flipped where we start to try to make peace, let peace trump purity. He says it's first pure. He said then it is peaceable. Amen. The love that Solomon had for his wives. Here's a man that's supposed to be wise. Wisdom that's given from God. But the love, the crazy love, the love that he has for these wives reprioritized the order in Solomon's life. It was no longer first pure and then peaceable. It had become peaceable and then pure. And so this peace that Israel had as a nation, this was quite unusual for them. Amen. They had known to be people that, that were in war, engaged in war, not even necessarily because they started them, but because they were defending themselves from other nations around them. And so they knew a life of constant fighting. Much of their time was con consumed by those type 
of things. The Bible even says it like this in 1 Kings 4, 25, this time of peace, that in Judah and Israel dwelt safely. Every man under his vine and under his fig tree from Dan to Beersheba, the, the whole landscape of Israel, all the days of Solomon. What, what this is depicting is almost as though every man was just met with some relaxation. You know how it describes it? every man under his vine and under his fig tree, you know, just in the hammock under the fig tree over here. All repose and relaxation after having lived years of battle and years of war. And that peace that they had allowed Solomon to build his temple and build his house and several other things that he had done. Amen. But here's the question I pose to you today. What does a man do when everything else has been done and all you got is idle time? Greg, my grandmothers, great-grandmothers, my parents have told me for years, it's a statement, but it's very true, that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Something about idleness. Something about a vacuum of time. Huh? The history of Alexander the Great, the one who conquered the, known, the then-known world by the age of 32, he found himself, after at age 32, had conquered the then-known world, found himself in despair, because he didn't feel like there was nothing else to do. There's nothing else to conquer. And so he had some idle time. And so what he did with his idle time, he got drunk. He went out during a rainstorm one night, got sick, and he died. That's crazy, isn't it? But it's amazing the stories that you could drum up that people have done whenever they didn't have anything else to do. Amen? And, and so you got to think for a moment. It's a time of peace. There's no war. So Solomon says, I'll build the house of God. I'll do this. But when he's old, when all the building projects are done, he's had these loves from the start. But now he's really able to concentrate. Because there's, there's no putting together the temple now or his own house now. He's really able to concentrate. What am I going to do now that everything is done? Oh, let's think about the crazy love with my wife. What would you like, dear? Well, you know, I'd really like to have the God Molech over, you know, a temple over here so I could serve my God. Well, what do you know? The Bible says, if we go back to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 13, where Nehemiah was addressing the returnees to Jerusalem of his day because they were intermarrying and they were starting to serve false gods. Nehemiah, whenever he returned and seen all that, he began to clean things up. He began to set things back in order. And remember, he has called their mind back to Solomon's day and everything that had happened. And so Nehemiah went beyond just calling their mind to, to, to Solomon's day. He also, he also believes that he might have a remedy from this, this, this occurring again. He looks back at all these things of them taking foreign wives, and he says, you know what, maybe there's a remedy to all this. And this was Nehemiah's remedy in Nehemiah 13 and verse 30, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Here's what Nehemiah said. He said, thus I cleanse them of everything pagan. Took care of everything pagan. That had, had seeped in and came in. I cleaned them of everything pagan. And then he said, I also assigned, everybody say assigned, he said, I also assign duties to the priests and the Levites, each to his service. Nehemiah evidently thought that part of what contributed to these unsanctioned marriages and them bringing in false gods was the fact that the people had too much time on their hands. He said, you need a job to do. He says, I assigned them their duties. You, you, you need a job to do because you have too much time on your hand. See, because prior to all of this, what, what had the returnees been busy with? Well, we got a wall to rebuild. Huh? We got a wall to rebuild. It, it's in smoke and, 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 and it, 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 it's in ruins and we got to rebuild it. And, and Nehemiah would set every family before their household to be responsible for building that part of the wall. And, and what do we, well, we got gates to put up in this wall. We got all these different gates. And, and so what were they? They were busy in the work of the Lord. But whenever the wall was finished in 52 days, now what's everybody to do? Huh? See, it works either way. It can work from going to the church to the world or to the world to the church because the enemy doesn't like his people to have idle time either. That's the reason whenever Israel was in bondage for the 400 years that they were in bondage and Moses showed up wanting to talk, that Pharaoh said, you all get back to your brick making. He said, you're idle and you're talking about going to worship your God. Huh? Even in the, 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 the context of being in Egypt and being under the thumb of Pharaoh, he didn't want them to have too much idle time because they would start thinking about serving something else too. Amen. 
Amen. And so we, we see, see, idleness of mind, idleness of times, folks, it renders to criticism. You hear me? It'll, it'll render to criticism and complaint. You know what? You usually criticize and complain what you currently have. You got idle time, you'll start criticizing the church, complaining about the church, right? You know what that opens you up then for? A change of relationship. Because you're sitting back and you have time. You can see every little detail. You can see every little mishap. You can see every little and hear every spoken word. You can replay things in your mind in the past because you have the time to do it. Amen. But if you don't have time, if you're involved in the work in the Lord, if your hands are involved in something, your mind's engaged in something, you don't have time to think about whether or not the way that person looked at me had any type of gravity to it in a negative way or not. You don't have time to think about whether the way that they spoke to you was, was, was against you or for you. Or, you don't have time to Think about all that stuff when you're involved in the work of the Lord. And you know what that does? It keeps you involved in the work of the Lord. And it keeps your love dedicated to the things that they need to be dedicated to. It remains that you have a steadfast, crazy love for your God. Amen. They've been busy rebuilding walls and gates, their homes. Some of them in Nehemiah's book had moved beyond Jerusalem into the city of Jerusalem. All this stuff had taken place. They'd been dealing with all the antics of the Samballot, Tobias, and Jerusalem, all these different people dealing with their enemies. But now all that had been accomplished, everything else had subsided. Even the attack of their enemies seemed somewhat to subside. They had too much time on their hands. Nehemiah says, I'm going to cleanse them of all things pagan, and I'm going to assign these folks some duties. He says, because we got to get their minds and their hands engaged in the work because this idleness has given them time to just think and criticize and complain, and all that is nothing more but a seedbed for a longing of a different relationship. You and Mark it in real life. You have a relationship where you start to complain and criticize the one that you're supposed to be in relationship with, it's not long you're wanting out of that relationship. Amen. And God, whenever you start wanting out of a relationship, you will have longing eyes. And here's the thing about that. You will search for love from anywhere just because you feel like, quote, unquote, you're not getting it for where you're at. And there's been people that have compromised good relationships. Did they have their quirks? Yes, they all do. But they have compromised good relationships for a much lesser relationship. Just because they had too much time on their hand to say, well, this is just really not what it should be. And they should be treating me different. And you know what? You should probably be treating them differently too. So when it comes to the context of the church, we need to have the same mind. Oh, you know, the church just isn't really all this or that to me. You know what? Maybe you haven't been everything you should have been to the church either. But wherever the love starts to seep, that's where you that's what you will accommodate. That's what you will invite. That's what you'll make allowances. You'll, you'll do for preferences wherever love. So that's where we got to get the, the object of our love correct, because if we get the object of our love correct, everything else is just really a byproduct. It's just a byproduct. Again, that's the reason why the enemy doesn't have to say. Serve this deity of fire no just get you entangled in a love relationship with someone that does serve that deity it's always got to do if you'll stand with me this morning crazy crazy love you don't watch it you do all this preference and allowance stuff you'll be like that poor boy in the beginning that Got his braces and brackets off, fingernail clippers. And she never did fall in love with him. He had crooked teeth for the rest of his life. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. <laughs> but you understand the point. <laughs> Man, crazy love. Man, I want to set my... Whenever, whenever the, the Apostle Paul said to those at Colossae, set your things on things that are above, he said, don't do it on the earth. 
don't do it on the earth. Set your affections on things that are above. Live for that. Endeavor to satisfy that. Not, not on the things of this earth. And whenever it comes to those things, it comes to, it comes to simply this. Setting your things on something temporal or setting your things on something eternal. I mean, it is, it is a dynamic difference between the eternal and the temporal. I want to set my, my love on eternal things. Eternal things. Solomon, there's none of those idols that you made for your wives that would ever be able to instill any wisdom in you or bring the wealth to you like God did into your life. Never could. Set your affections. We can close our eyes today. Set our affections. Let our love be to and sowed up in God. There's somebody under the sound of my voice this morning that perhaps in your walk with the Lord, perhaps your love is... Your love has grown cold. The Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. It says the love of many will wax cold. Perhaps your love has waxed cold. And as a result of that, you're, 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 you're just not in tune. And you're, you're not willing to make the sacrifices uh, for him like you used to make the sacrifices for him. You're not willing to go the extra mile like you once did. As a matter of fact, maybe some things of life, you're, you're starting to just get a little bad taste, it would seem, in your life. You, you know, little complaints here and there, a little criticism, you know, of him here and there. And maybe you got wandering eyes for something, quote, unquote, better. Folks, you just need to fall in love again. Fall in love again with him. Return, return as he told the church in the book of Revelation. You just need to return to your first love. You need to return to your first love. Hallelujah. These altars are open today. If anybody would like to find a place to pray, let's fall in love with God. Let's just fall in love with the church. Let's fall in love with the people of God. Let's just fall in love with the things that love God and support God and undergird God and the practices of God. Let's just fall in love with all those things that have a propensity toward heaven and a pro propensity toward the things of God. You won't go wrong when you love the things that God loves. And you won't go wrong when you detest the things that He detests. Hallelujah. Let's just fall in love with the Lord again. Hallelujah. Can we begin to talk to Him all across this place? Brother Mason, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.